take away everything, even the things that we've managed to have that are good. You know, the devil won't leave nothing alone. Do you not know, and I'm already preaching, I'm going to give you a text in a second. Do you not realize that the, the devil is somebody that understands authority? He understands power. He's been around it all his life since he was created. Him and all the other fallen angels, they understand parameters of jurisdiction. They understand when they get not allowed somewhere. They also know when there's nobody there to put them out. They know when there's no gate and things are left unattended. And that is where they want to penetrate and gain access, the areas that you're not paying attention to. And the devil is somebody that, he's a sower, he sows his word. He plants a seed and he tends to it to bring a harvest. That's why it almost seemed like when things happen, they all start happening all at once. No, it's just the harvest, the devil's harvest. Amen. And then there's the seeds that we sow with our mouth. And the things that we do that we sow seeds into. Sometimes you better start praying for crop failure on some of these things that we've sown. Amen. And pray and ask God to forgive us. But the devil doesn't have all power. He's limited in his authority. He gained his authority in the garden when God created this earth. Now, we're still talking about breakthrough technology. We're still talking about an understanding how we can operate in the realm of the spirit because everything happens in the spirit first. You have an ignorant believer that doesn't understand authority and doesn't understand the word of God and does not understand what God has given us freely. This is why Paul said, I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened with knowledge, that you might know the things that have been freely given to you, that you might know the hope of his calling and the in his inherit his inheritance in the saints. If you don't understand these simple things, you are always going to be at the mercy of an unseen force that's not an ally. Even Christian people save and sanctify and get Jesus in your heart. It does not mean that you don't have enemies that are unseen that are trying to work against you. People talk about, oh, heaven is the promised land. Heaven is not the promised land. In the promised land, there was Amorites, Hivites, Termites, Mosquito Bites, Megabites, and every other ite. They had giants in the land. Let me tell you something. Heaven, there won't be no enemies. There won't be anybody to fight in heaven. It's going to be God's rule and kingdom. Nothing to fight there. So, guess where the promised land is? This is where the promised land is. This is where you got to be like Joshua and Caleb and say, Our God has given us the land. Let us go in and take it at once. As a matter of fact, I claim that mountain as my inheritance. you got to have a spirit of Caleb and Joshua. Some people don't realize it's the wrong spirit why they can't possess the land. And it's not unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but he sent over 12 spies and 10 came back with the wrong testimony. They had the wrong attitude. They saw every obstacle and everything in their way as something that they could not defeat as they were. As they were, they didn't have what it took. But here's the funny thing. They've never defeated anybody on their own. Israel had never won any battle on its own. God had always fought in any battle. So what made them get to the brink of the Jordan and now begin to think they couldn't do it? Because you wouldn't do it nothing anyway. God was fighting all your battles anyway. Are you listening? 
John 4 and 21. We're going to finish with this. We're talking about worship and your revelation, understanding the Father's heart. John chapter 4, verse number 21. And Jesus saith to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh that you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse number 22. You worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Hebrew Jewish nation. This is one of the most powerful passages on worship in the New Testament. Why? Here is Jesus. He says, I must needs, this is passing in review from last week. I must needs go down to Samaria. And he said, now, understanding the customs that day, men weren't allowed to mix company with women. You know, if we were living back then, women would be sitting on one side and men would be sitting on the other. That's why Paul said, tell the woman to keep silent. Why? Because they was calling out of their husbands on the other side of the church and causing confusion. He said, let them be quiet in church and ask their questions at home. Because they were segregated. So you didn't find, especially a rabbi, going down to where women were at. And, the, and this well was where women gathered. Now, I know you don't like this. Now, you feminists in here ain't going like this. To do women's work. They gathered water to wash, to clean, and to cook, and to run the house. So it was always women around the well. And it wasn't customary to see men down there because that was not men's work to carry buckets. Jesus said in the Bible, he said, you go into the city and you see a man carrying a pail of water, go tell him that the master has need of a room. And that wasn't being deep. He just knew if a man had to carry some water, he must be an innkeeper. That was just modern-day language. In his time, it was... That was common knowledge in his day. He said, when you find him, go tell him I have need of him. Because men didn't do that. So here comes Jesus dressed like a teacher in Israel. He's identifiable when he walks up and sits down to her and starts asking her for a drink of water. And, of course, she gets the attitude. Get last week. We worked that out last week. She gets the attitude because, obviously, you're here to pick up a woman. You ain't here to get no water. Who are you trying to fool? With your lame pickup line, (laughs) how about a drink of that water? She's used to somebody being slick and trying to maneuver. Oh, but she didn't know how slick Jesus was. He was slicker than she ever imagined because he was really angling at something else entirely different. And she says, he says, well, you come down here to the well and you don't even have nothing to drink. You didn't come here to drink no water. I know what you came to look for. Ain't you a rabbi? Ain't you a holy man? And he said, you don't really know who I am. But if you knew who I was, if you knew the gift of God that was talking to you, this whole conversation would turn around and you start asking me for a drink. And then she looks at him, puts her hand on her hip. And he says, let me change the situation. Where's your husband at? I don't begotten no husband. That's the first right thing you've said in this conversation. You don't have a husband. You've been with five different men, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. (gasps) I perceive you're a prophet. I've been waiting to talk to a prophet for a long time because i got a question in my heart. You mean in the midst of all that that manizing you've been doing? That running from men to men, you had a question in your heart about what? Where are we supposed to worship? How does worship become a subject when we're talking about your failed relationship? 
You're going to notice something about Jesus. I know a lot of y'all like to self-help and you like people to preach your problems and talk about how you've been hurt and who's done you wrong and trudging up all your past so you can get some kind of inner healing. Maybe you need that, but you need to understand something about Jesus. He never gets into people's past like that. He just shocked her, but you know, the conversation shifted and it went back to why you was hurt and why you went from man to man and what happened to you. You was a little girl that made you go for all these men looking for love and all the wrong. Jesus didn't begin to psychoanalyze her because when you have the real answer, there's no more need for analysis. When you already have the solution, I don't have to go back into your past. I'm here to tell you that today when you hear my voice, forget about yesterday. Today is standing in front of you. He didn't have to say, I got a solution for you. He said, I am the solution. <laughs> I am the answer to your problem. I am the solution. So, as they're talking, he says, you don't understand something. She said, he said, what's your question? Go ahead, shoot. She said, where are we supposed to worship? In the mountain where the law was given by the hand of God. Moses wrote it. There can't be no place more holier than that. But then you say in the temple, he said, <laughs> when it comes to worship, you don't even know what you're talking about. When it comes to worship, you don't even know who it is that you worship in. This is just a form and a fashion to you. This is something you do every Sunday because you was taught to do that. Or you hear, you go because you're hoping to get a breakthrough. Or you're hoping to get over your past. You don't really know. You're trying to get something. But worship is about bringing something. Worship is about a sacrifice. Oh, hold on one second. Then he tells her, we don't know the rest of the conversation, but whatever it was, she jumped up and ran back to the city and told everybody, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Now, you know, that's an exaggeration. He didn't tell her everything she ever did, but he told her enough. <laughs> she ran back, and we didn't hear no more about that woman. Not for a long time, until Jesus went to Samaria later. And all the city came out to see him because her testimony opened up a revival. It made way. She was a type of a John the Baptist. But I want you to focus on the one part where he said, you know, when it comes to worship, you don't know what you're worshiping. Do you know how many people are worshiping a false image of Jesus? They have one built up by Hollywood. They got one built up by religious ideas, but the one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they don't really know that one. Because, see, think about it. How many people do you know? Think about it. How many people do you really know? I mean really know. Like, you know what kind of clothes they like to wear. You know what they like cologne. You know what kind of food they like to eat. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody enough? That you could actually plan a party for them because you know what they like. That means you've had intimacy. You've exchanged ideas. The sad part about it is most people don't know Jesus that way. That's why when a trial comes, they don't know if he'll heal. That's why when trouble comes, they're not sure. They know he can, but they don't know if he will. But see, that knowledge only comes from interaction with him. That knowledge comes from hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing it and hearing it until an image is produced of Jesus that you look to. Then you can worship that true image. If you don't have the right image, your worship ain't going to be right. You see, your revelation precedes 
your worship. Your revelation of God dictates your worship of God. He said, you got the idea of worship wrong because you don't even know who you worship in. What image of Jesus do you have? Now, passing in review again. The Father's heart. We spent a couple of Sundays on explaining the Father's heart. You can't know the Father's heart until you know Jesus' heart. Because the Father is hidden, but Jesus is the revelation of the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you don't really understand the heart of the Father. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. The Father has revealed himself in Jesus. Jesus is the Father's heart projected toward mankind. When you see Jesus in operation, you see the Father in operation. When you see Jesus, you see what the Father would do if he was here. What's so important about that? I need help in this. I need situations getting out of hand. I need some help. What they got to do with anything? When you get ready to pray and ask God for anything, you have to know who you're approaching. You have to know his intention, his heart. You have to know what his answer is going to be before you ask him. He said that all the promises of God are yes and amen. God don't have a no when you ask according to his word. And if you're not praying his word, you're not really praying. You're begging or you're having a, a, a psychological dialogue or you're, you're going through a meditation. But that's not prayer. Prayer is when you take what he promised. And I'm going to take that promise and I'm going to give it right back to you. You said that by your stripes I am healed. You said that my children are a heritage of I'm remind you of your promise. I'm getting ready to take the next half hour right now and I'm going to remind you how you made a way for Israel and how you made a way for Jacob. And I'm going to put you in remembrance of your word and I'm going to command you according to what you promised. And I'm going to stand here and if you don't come through tonight, I'll be back tomorrow night. And I'll be back tonight after that. And see, that's what it means to stand in war in the spirit is when you keep on reminding Jesus said even the unjust judge will come out after a while and make right and bring justice. How much more will I hear and bring justice? We've listened to people in this world and they'll have you think that everything's rotten, everything's terrible, it ain't going to happen. But see, if you listen to the world, they'll make you think that there's no hope. You listen to politics. You listen to all this stuff. They make you think it's all these things working against you and you can't get ahead. But if you believe that, then you believe what the devil is saying. If you are a child of God, if you are the seed of Abraham, blessed going in, blessed coming out, the head and not the tail, above only it don't matter who's in the white house don't matter whether it's white power white privilege black privilege black power don't none of that matter because the rules don't apply to you baby because you got the blessing of abraham but see when you give into that thinking you forfeit your inheritance because you pull yourself out of the kingdom and back into this world You've got to remember something. You're in the world, but not of the world. There's only two people on this planet. The redeemed and the unredeemed. That's it. 
And there's only one group of people that got any power to make a change, and that's his body. Nobody else but his church. And as long as the church thinks it belongs to somebody else, the church not going to do it. Your revelation dictates your prayer. We say this all the time, but this church, your revelation is the jurisdiction of your faith. What is jurisdiction? Jurisdiction is the parameters of your authority. Limited revelation, limited authority. You don't know what's yours until you really know what's yours. How are you going to take authority over your house and you just rent a room? You ain't got no authority over the other houses. You do have authority in your room. That's why kids be like, don't come in my room. This is my room. This ain't your room. I used to say that to my mother. Why are you in my room? He said, every room in this house is mine. My father used to say, my father said, this was my room. I mean, you always have a parent that wouldn't let you have the door closed when you was in the house. Open this door up in this house. Open this door. This is my room. This is my privacy. It's my door. Open it. What you doing back there? You ain't never had no daddy like that or mama like that. But he knew what belonged to him. He knew what his authority was. You can't put nobody out your house if you don't know you got authority. If you don't know the legal ramifications of authority, you can't throw nobody out. But if you only think the authority extends what's in the house, but not what's outside the house, outside the house, your authority don't work because you don't know it does. That's why your revelation of who you are dictates your authority. Understanding the Father's heart. Then we got to understand the original plan that God had. Go back to the garden. When you see the garden of Eden, God said it was good. Everything he did, good. Good. You didn't see sickness, death, rot, decay, subtraction until the curse came. We then have to understand that that is God's original intention towards you. When you understand that's God's original intention towards you, then you can believe for that. But if you don't know that that's God's will for you, you'll always pray, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. Lord, if it be thy will, make a way for me. Lord, touch my cousin, if it be thy will. You think you're being humble. You're not being humble. You're being ignorant. You're being unknowledgeable. You're saying back to God something he's already given you. Something he says, it's yours. I've given it to you. What do you act like when something is yours? Oh, you get an attitude when people try to talk to you about stuff that's yours, that belong to you. That's mine. Get out my car. Put that down. That's mine. No, you can't wear that. I just bought that. I ain't wore it yet. Put it back. See, it's yours. You take authority over it. Why don't you take authority over your health? I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Why don't you take authority over your finances? Why don't you take authority over the demons that plague you in your house and in your family? If you don't take authority, it's because you don't think you have it. 
And if you think you have it, that's all you do is think. You don't have a revelation that it belongs to you. When we look to Jesus, Jesus is the redemptive lens. You know what a lens is, right? These lenses and these glasses. He is the redemptive lens that you see through now. The world without Jesus. Oh my God. Help us God. Through Jesus, there's hope. Hope. I can recover. I can be healed. Oh, it's looking bad. The doctor back report says oh, all things are possible to him that believeth. Oh, I'm, a, I'm ruined. Everything is it's going to be taken. Wait a minute. My God shall supply all, some, a few, a couple of things. Oh, oh my God. See, now you have a redemptive perspective. See, there is without Jesus and there is with Jesus. With him, all things are possible. He tells you, come and learn of me. You can't learn of him casually reading a devotion every once in a while. Going to church every... Now, if you go to a church that don't preach the word, you ain't going to learn that anyway. But if somebody's preaching the word and it's being made available to renew your mind, but you don't go and you don't really read the word of God, but then you want to stand up in the hospital and rebuke cancer. You want to stand up in the hospital and rebuke the devil and rebuke demons. But see... Faith is not of the head. Faith is of the heart. And the only way for faith to come is you got to hear. Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing by. So it comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, stores up all the word that he's hearing. And out of his mouth, the abundance of what's in his mouth comes out. Well, if you ain't stuffing nothing in there. It's not going to come out from the abundance. It's going to come out from what you're hoping about and what you're wishing about and what you need and please and cry. And see, there's a certain place that you can come in God where everything you hear bad doesn't shake you. The moment you hear it, you say, oh, hmm. well, I know how i got to pray now. I know how what promises they got to go stand on. Just because you stood on a promise five years ago and got a miracle, don't mean you got faith today for that. You got to go hear it again. You got to recharge and re up on your faith and rehear it and worship. He said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. He started it. And he's going to finish it. Do you know the powerful revelation in knowing that? See, you in here, at the, you in the middle of it. He started it. Here you are in the middle. But you got to understand that he's going to finish it. Then he says, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. And the Lord is that spirit. And wherever he is, there is liberty. He said, and we with an open face behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. 
And we are changed into that image from glory to glory. What image are you seeing in the reflection? What image have you built up in your mind about Jesus? If you have not built it based upon the word of God, you got a false image. And a false image is a vain imagination. And it will not produce the kingdom of God. Are you listening? Hello, lights. It's not that good today. You don't like it that much today. It's not making sense to you. Well, I just need the Lord to touch me. I'm just only here on that deep stuff. I just want to get a blessing. I just come to get a miracle. I just need God to help me. I'm lonely. I need a husband. I need a wife. I'm, I need a breakthrough. I need a loan. <laughs> See, people are always concerned about what they want and what they need and what they're trying to get. And they come to church, and the wrong idea is they think they're going to come here and God's just going to wave a magic wand so you can go back and do whatever you was big enough to do. That's not how it works. You're going to have to have a transformation. Now, I'm almost done preaching, but listen to this. Your revelation is going to dictate your worship. Your revelation is the jurisdiction of your faith. Do you not know that real worship is all about releasing faith? Because you can't really praise God if you don't believe he's going to make a way. You can't really worship God if you don't know if he loves you or not. You can't really worship God and you still have doubts whether he's going to do it. See, you try to worship over top of that stuff. But see, you got to get a revelation of the love of God for you. you got to get a revelation of the promises of God. Because see, regardless, the Bible says, even if we believe not, he cannot deny himself. That means if I'm struggling trying to believe something, I know what to do. I'm going to take the word. See, you promised it. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> see, see, I'm, tr- I'm not here to make you do nothing, Jesus. I'm just here to watch you not do what you said you're going to do. Oh, I can't get no help in here. I'm not here to beg you to heal me. I'm here you to deny yourself. When the Bible says you cannot deny yourself. See, you're so busy trying to get God to do something. And he wants you to realize it's already been done. He wants you to realize that even if you struggle believing, he can't deny himself. Even if you believe not, he has to keep his promise. He has to keep his promise because his reputation is on the line. His reputation that he's built over thousands of years. Pharaoh's army, Moses in the promised land. He got a look at somebody say he got a reputation. He got a reputation to uphold. And he's not gonna let some little upstart like you come in here and mess up his reputation. No, no, no. He's a Lord God strong and mighty. I like what the Amplifier says, he's battle ready. You ain't never seen, he's never lost a fight with nobody. He ain't scared of nobody. He even He even lets the enemy come in like a flood. Most of us be trying to stop the enemy from coming in. Unless you get on that side, we're on this side. And we're going to shoot everyone that come through the door. Because we don't want them to pile in on us. That ain't the Lord. The Lord sits on his throne and says, let them flood. Let them come in. Let them fill the room. Let them fill the battlefield. Let it look like it's impossible. Because when when I weigh in on the scale... 
When I step in the atmosphere, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. When you get the Lord, he said, the Bible says, if he's on your side, he's more than the world against you. The Bible says it doesn't matter who is arrayed against you. If God be for you, who can be against you? He likes to set it up and let it get bad. He likes to let it get thick because he likes to show up in the nick of time and start turning things around. He likes to turn it and get the glory. He likes to come in and get the glory so your children can see it, so your family can see God make a way out of no way. Hallelujah, Jesus. I wish I had a witness in here. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? You ready for this? That all sounded good, didn't it? But do you want to know the key? You don't really know the outcome of the battle before you go into the battle unless you got a revelation. And when you get a revelation of Jehovah Jireh, a El Shaddai revelation, a El Elyon revelation, when you get a revelation that he's a more than enough God, see, you can stand on the outside of the battle and get ready to go into the storm knowing that you already got the victory before you go into the storm. And see, that's why through true worship, which is undefiled, when true worship takes place, you don't have to have the miracle first. See, some of us, when he do it, oh, we ready to start shouting. When he turn around, oh, we going to praise him now. When the blessing comes through, oh, I got my shouting shoes on. But the person that has a revelation don't have to see it in the natural. The person that has a revelation of their God, they start dancing. When there ain't no music going on, they start rejoicing and say, what you praising God for? Didn't you hear the doctor report? Yes, I heard the doctor report but I heard the report of the Lord I heard what God had to say and that's why I'm not waiting for the x-ray machine I'm not waiting to get the verdict I'm gonna dance now I'm gonna praise him now I'm gonna sing through the midnight and worship my God I'm going to give him praise, though I've been beaten and broken and pushed down and rejected and passed over and lied and betrayed. I'm going to worship the Lord God strong and mighty. I'm going to bless his name. I'm going to show him that I believe before I see. I'm going to worship him based upon who I know him to be, that he cannot lie, he cannot change, he cannot break his promises can't do it but you can't do that if you don't know it see the devil let me tell you something it's gonna hurt your feelings God has done something about sin already the Bible says that God destroyed it nobody's going to hell for sin the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the whole world he dropped the charges against the world you don't go to hell because you got sin, you go to hell for rejecting Jesus. Because he dropped the charges. And when you reject him, you have to suffer the penalty for not having him. So you're not going to hell for smoking, drinking, cursing, lying. You're going to hell because you ain't been born again. And if you ain't been born again, you can't stop doing that other stuff anyway. You can go get all your behavioral modification. Look, you can join the nation of Islam and start selling bean pies and live clean if you want to. But that's not going to save you because your actions don't save you. 
Your faith in the blood of Jesus saves you. Your faith in being born again, that's what saves you. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost, that's what saves you. When you think it's anything other than that, your faith is misplaced. That's why ain't nobody going to hell, going to, going to heaven because they're perfect. Because ain't none of y'all perfect. And if God starts judging on perfection, ain't nobody going to make it. But I tell you who going to make it. Those that have washed their garments in the blood of the Lamb. Those that have been born again. But see, here's what sin does do to you. When you're a believer and you know you shouldn't do something and you do it anyway, what it does is it wounds your conscience. The Bible says, John said, for herein is the love of God as he is, so are we in this world. Then he says, beloved, God is greater than your own heart. He's greater than your heart. But if your heart condemns you, you don't have no confidence toward God. And so the devil spends all of his time trying to get you to do things that you know aren't right so that they will destroy your confidence so that when you go to God your own heart stands up and testifies against you and says you knew that was wrong and you did it anyway and then the devil comes in as the accuser of the brethren and says that's right you ain't never lived right in your day of your life and when that condemnation comes you don't have confidence to believe God and then that's when the devil comes in with crisis and here you are in crisis and you ain't got no faith because your confidence, your conscience is wounded. You've been messed up and the devil starts telling you, it's going down now. After all you've done, you deserve this. And you start saying, yes and amen. And if somebody come to town and prophesy and tell you, if you give $1,000, you get free. You run down there to give them some money because that's your only hope. You'll pay. If I can pay my way out of this. Not knowing. That the simple solution is to repent. The simple solution is to say, Lord, I'm sorry. The simple solution is to take advantage of the blood of Jesus uh, and begin to worship him for the blood's sake, for what the blood has done for you, and begin to announce the blessing of the blood washing me whiter than snow. He said, though your sin be as scarlet, I'm going to wash it whiter than snow. See, you can't worship with that revelation if you don't have that revelation. And it's the devil's job to keep you into low IQ Christianity. Low IQ Christianity where you don't know nothing and all you're trying to do is just be saved and hope you make it in. And ain't nobody else right, so I'm going to just do what I want to do and hope God just going to all work out in the end. No, it's not. No, it's not. It looks like it is right now, but you ain't seen 10 years from now. God has. That's going to be a harvest for everything, every idle thing. All the seeds you sow, it's going to be a harvest for it. Are you listening? Only now, in the day you hear his voice, do you don't what? Harden your heart. You see, there's something about people when their hearts become hard, the word don't work on them no more. Because they convinced they're on their path and there's nothing going to turn them around. And you can pray for them all you want to. But until they make up their mind, there's going to be a harvest. I want you to understand something. Your enemy is clever. 
and he will draw near to you. Your revelation of Jesus ought to make you shout. Your revelation of Jesus, of who he is, ought to put a smile on your face when you're driving in your car. The revelation of what he has done for you and what he's given to you and what he's available to give to you right now. This is what Paul said, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will flood your spirit and cause your eyes to open so you can see what already belongs to you. This is breakthrough technology. This is the wisdom of God concerning breakthrough. I have the Father's heart. I know it's not His will for me for this to happen, for this to continue. No, I don't see it in the Word anywhere. I don't receive this. I know the Father's heart. I see through the eyes of Jesus the way the Father intends for it to be for me. Because I believe what his word says. And I'm going to search his word and find these promises. And I'm going to make it my bread and my water. I'm going to eat it and I'm going to drink it till it gets inside of me. To where it's so big inside of me, it's pushing all the other voices outside. And then I'm not going to wait till the manifestation happens. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to begin to rejoice based upon what I know he's already said, based upon the revelation that his word is given. Because I know I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Get that organ going. I need to party. I need to celebrate my victory. I need to celebrate my God is coming through for me. I need to celebrate my breakthrough. My supernatural birthday is coming up. I got to celebrate. Get that organ. Get that guitar. Let there be shoutings. Let there be praises. Let there be music and so get to go get the soda pop. Get the cake out. It's time to celebrate my victory. What victory? You ain't got no victory. Are you crazy? Yes. I've lost my mind. And I got the mind of Christ. Guess what? I'm in my right mind because I'm going to start worshiping God and giving Him glory now. And when you begin to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, you just brought your whole being into the alignment of the promise of God. And you are now in the position for manifestation. And he that will come shall come. Quickly. His reward is with him. Hallelujah, Jesus. The devil wants you to look at the situation and look at the storm and look at the problem and look at the situation and look at it and then look at it again. And you'll be over there watching TV. The devil says, excuse me, wait a minute. Look at the problem right quick. Okay, go back to watching TV. Okay, look at your body. It hasn't changed. Look at the doctor report. It hasn't changed. Go pick that letter up and cry a little bit longer. The devil's going to try to keep you to keep looking at that. Keep looking at this. Keep looking. And that's why you have to fight. Like I said, I will not look at that. I'm going to look unto Jesus. I'm going to look at If I had to stay up all night and read all the gospel. Oh, if I had to stand up all night and read the book of Mark and see Jesus, my miracle worker, over and over again until my mind gets converted and gets renewed and then there is transformation. 
once the mind is renewed. Did you catch that message today? This also means for the move of the Spirit. The move. Come on, where my organ player, my keyboard player. Hallelujah. There he is. Thank you, sir. Your faith is not you trying to believe God. Your faith is not based upon you hoping God's going to do something. Your faith is not even based on, I know he can do it. The question is, do you know he's going to do it for you, though? That comes from personal interaction with him. And see, the longer you don't interact with him, the longer you're going to be in the valley. Up day, down the day, up day, down the day. But once you begin to get his word out, Say, Father, you said. Let me show you where you said this. You said this. Let me turn here. Let me. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you find. When you start going in your altar, in your prayer room, and begin to take the scriptures, say, this is what you said. See, some of y'all don't know how to warfare. You just go in your closet, and, and that's just you. But I'm telling you something. When it's coming against the whole family, get them children out. Get anybody. Get them in the living room. Get the Bible out and say, this is what the Word of God says. This is a Bible believing. I need everybody in this house in agreement. I don't, cut that junk off in that house. Like, come on. We're coming into agreement right now in the name of Jesus. You gotta get, see when it's just you and your husband and wife, you and your husband and wife go in there get the word. I said, honey, we're gonna stand on the word of God. This is what the Lord says. This is what the word of God says. Well, I, I'm having trouble remembering it. Write it down and put it on the refrigerator. Put it on your dashboard. Put it on waterproof paper in the shower. Read it while you're washing up. Hallelujah to Jesus. That's how you get your mind to get renewed by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And sooner or later, it's gonna start bubbling up. It's gonna start backing up on the inside of you. And it's going to begin to come out of you without you trying to make it come out of you. It's going to bubble up. Let me tell you something. When it comes up on its own, when you got to make it come up, see, when, you, when you're going through, you got to make it come up. You got to push it, keep speaking it, keep talking it, keep saying the word. But when it's backed up, when you've been overloading it and dumping it so much, it starts backing up out your spirit. It starts coming out. And when it comes out, it hits the first mountain it sees. Hallelujah, Jesus. You see, somebody say, well, it's a mountain. How can words move a mountain? I don't know if you know or not, but mountains were created by words. God spoke every mountain into existence. Mountains were created by words. Obstacles were created by words. A curse or a blessing. And if it was created by a word, then it can be controlled by a word. Everything has ears. Jesus talked to fish, they listened. He talked to money, it listened. He talked to trees, it responded. He talked to fevers, and it responded. He talked to devils, and they responded. He talked to the wind, and it responded. Everything has an ear. And if it can hear, then hear the report of the Lord. Rehear the word of the Lord. And obey the word of the Lord. Did you catch this? Are you putting this in your spirit? This is the answer to all things. All things. So praise and worship is your breakthrough technology. Stop using your praise and worship as trying to get God to do something. Forget about getting anything. Just go in to love Him. 
Go in to acknowledge Him in all your ways. Go in to make it intimate and personal. Be honest with God. Hey, I don't know you. Hey, I don't understand you. Hey, I can't figure out what you're doing up there. I need you to talk to me. I just want you to talk to me. Don't you love me enough to talk to me? I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bow down and call upon your name. See, if you don't do it, then I'm going to ever stand around your throne. If you don't do it for me, as soon as I get to heaven, I'm going to run to your throne and say, you know, you let me stay up all night. You let me come in day after day. And I reminded you of your promises over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you didn't do nothing for me. You went back on your word. You say, Pastor Reed, don't take all that. Get in a life and death situation. Get in something that won't move. I guarantee you, you ain't going to come night after night. And stand on the word and remind him what he said. And he's not going to answer. And if you believe he'll do that, then that's the first thing about you that needs to get renewed. You don't know what kind of God you serve. The Lord is kind. The Lord is gentle. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. He's a walking love machine. He's sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. He's tender by Shika. He's tender hearted. He'll never tell you no. He said, Come boldly. Act like you own it. Come in this house. This is your throne room. This is your throne. This is your house. You seated with me. You're seated with me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Stand to your feet, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. See, this thing is designed that you can't be half-hearted about it. This thing is, is designed that you can't be half-hearted about it. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. You can't be on the fence about this. You have to have a made-up mind. Well, see, sometime, give me some more volume. That's why crisis come. God allows them. Because that's the only time that you can get forced off the wall. And you've got to make a decision to trust or not to trust. The crisis comes to make you wake up and say, whoa, what's going on here? i got to get back on the ball to get you out of that you tottering in and out I got news for you don't wait till the crisis because if you wait for the crisis you may not have what it takes to pull out of the crisis the day you hear his voice it's time to throw your hands up and be honest with God and say I don't know I don't understand but I know what you promised I know what you said. And I'm getting ready to worry you and worry you and worry you. One of my spiritual fathers, C.S. Up the Grove, is going home to be with the Lord. The first service I went to at 16 years old to see him, the people's teeth in their mouth were filled with gold. The cavities and, the, I mean, it would just be miraculous gold fillings in people's mouth. And some of them would have diamonds in them. I mean, he had a phenomenal miracle ministry. An angel appeared to him when he was 30 on a 40-day fast. 
And ever since that time, his blonde hair turned completely white at the age of 30. And I saw him in the age of 86. He was talking to me. He's, I said, what was the first time you saw a miracle? He said, I was a little boy. He said, and there was a sweet mother. Her name was Mother Ricks. She was a former slave. And she was holding healing revivals. And I would go to see Mother Hooks. And she called me her son. And I was sitting. She would pray over me and anoint me. When I was a little boy, I got healed when she prayed for me. He said, I remember I would see Mother Ricks buy oil by the gallons. And she would have that oil out and pray over it. And the sick would come from all over the county. And she would dump oil. She wouldn't just, she would dump oil on them. He said, I was a little fella. And I was in that revival beating. And a man was outside doing construction about two blocks away. And a truck rolled back on his legs. And he had a compound fracture. His shin bones popped out of his legs. You could see them. And he was miles from a hospital. And that man knew about miracles. He said, take me to Mama Rick's. This man, shins sticking out of his kneecaps. In excruciating pain, they carried him into the meeting. And Mama Rick's, her little self, was laying hands on people on the other side, putting oil on them. It was black folk, white folk. It was all kind of folk. See, power, the power of God changes all that stuff. They didn't care that she was a former slave. They knew Mama had something. She put all, and, and they thought she was going to stop and run because his seriousness of his problem. Uh-uh. Mama Ricks went through that line praying for everybody. He said, I was a little guy. He said, I ran. I wanted to see this. I saw his bones. He said, I wasn't about five or six years old. He said, I was cutting through people's legs and going through there, and I got right up on that man, and I had my eyes on those bones. I wasn't going to move. I wanted to see if this is really going to happen. He said, Mama Ricks came down there, and she just took oil and a big old vat of it, just oil slinging off her hands and just poured oil all over those bones, exposed oil on exposed flesh wounds. That's nasty. You ain't supposed to do that. Mama Ricks didn't care. She poured that all over them in the name of Jesus. He said, as I sat there and I watched her bones say, clack right back in his legs. And no scar, as if nothing was ever done wrong. That man jumped up and began to run back and forth all across that tent. He said, I was birthed in signs and wonders, son. I've been seeing them all my life. He said, the devil wants to take away the, the expectation of the supernatural from the people of God. He said, one day I was sitting with Mama Ricks and I said, Mama, how you get God to use you the way he used you? She was old and gray. She wasn't doing revivals no more. He said, you going to tell me? She said, son. She couldn't talk good English. She said, she said, son, I worried that man. And I worried that man. And I worried that man. And I worried. She kept on saying, I worried that man. And I worried that man. She said, child, I worried that man. And I worried that man till they come on through. What man you talking about? She said, Jesus, I worried that man. And I worried that man till he come through. Hallelujah. Won't you stop worrying and start worrying the Lord? Won't you stop?